Cincinnati bounces back with a 70-59 to win over USF Wednesday night. We'll recap the game, plus a tweet from Lance McAllister that continues to go along with what I'm saying, that Cincinnati is now officially a football town. That coming up on today's episode of Locked On Bearcats. on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Alex Frank here with you on this Thursday, February 10th of 2022. Cincinnati bounces back last night with a 70-59 to victory over the USF Bulls. Um, you know, like I alluded to on Wednesday's show, USF is a, a pesky team, a thorn in the Bearcats' side. They have not made it easy for Cincinnati over the years, and they did not. Last night, Cincinnati had to uh, overcome a early USF run midway through the second half, and eventually they built a double-digit lead that would stand, and they won the game by 11 points, but it did not come without some tribulations. Cincinnati for the game shot 23 of 49 from the floor. They only attempted 49 shots. USF put up 55, Um, but the one thing the Bearcats did do well was they did shoot the was they did shoot well from three. 10 for 21. Another 10 point, another 10 made threes game for Cincinnati. They 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 really shot the ball well from three at times this season. And over the last three games, they had not. This game they did. They were only 14 of 22 from the free throw line, but that ultimately did not come back to bite them. USF was 14 for 21. Uh, Cincinnati pulled down 37 rebounds to USF's 30, but the one area where Cincinnati struggled again is turnovers. They committed 19 turnovers. 19 turnovers. Now, Wes Miller did say after the game that he, you know, he's ha- he'll be as happy as can be if, if the Bearcats win by double digits despite turning the ball over 19 times. But at the end of the day, 19 turnovers is way too much. Against the USF team, that's just simply not very good. They only turned the ball over 13 times. The Bearcats dished out nine assists. USF dished out 10. Um, Cincinnati had eight steals and um, 17 points off the bench. There were seven ties, or, I'm sorry, nine ties and seven lead changes in this game, Cincinnati got 15 points off turnovers, six second chance points, four points on the fast breaks. Um, I did think Cincinnati they they have these spurts where they play well offensively, and it, again, it all goes back to consistency. It, it it really does. You know, we kept hearing that from John Brandon with consistency, and doing what they do well at certain times in a game and over the course of a stretch. But listen to this listen to this quote from Wes Miller. Wes Miller said this after the game um last night and 
it shows why I, I, I do think Cincinnati is going to be successful with him as head coach. So Wes Miller said this. Um, and I'm going to compare it to what you would hear from John Brandon frequently. So Wes Miller said this, and quote, I absolutely believe we can be more consistent, but we have to work at it. That was the message the last couple of days. We can't get tired of the work, and sometimes the work is repetitive when you get in February. Every team has those moments where you get to this point of the year and you're doing the same drills, playing against the same guys, and it's the same point of emphasis every day. And you know what? That's how it works. Being great is not something, not doing something well or knowing how to do something. It's learning how to excel at something. Sometimes that can be repetitive and boring. So what are we? So what are we talking about? We're having some good offensive segments this year. We've had good offensive halves, had good offensive games. We're talking about trying to be more consistent. So absolutely, I think we're capable of that, but we have to work at it to do it. What you're seeing with Wes Miller is he's willing to put in the work with this team, and I think the players are responding as well. You know, I was just I was reading Justin Williams' piece on David DeJulius that um, dropped yesterday morning. He talked about how much he loves playing for Wes Miller, you know, how they have a bond, how they do things very similarly on the court and off the court, and how Wes Miller lets him be who he wants to be on and off the court. You didn't hear that a lot from John Brandon. And with Mick Cronin, he understood when you get to this time of year, you know who you're playing against. It's no secret. You know, you're going up against the same players. He understood these are these are the dog days of conference play. And I've I've never been on a I've never been on a team in college basketball, never was. Apparently wasn't that good enough. But I've been around a team. To know that, you know, once you get to this time of year, it's simply a matter of who wants it more, who's more consistent, who does enough of the little things well to win these games. And Cincinnati did do a lot of little things well in this game to win. It also could just be USF is not very good. USF, um, the Bearcats made 10 threes in this game. USF attempted nine. Not made, attempted. I told you USF shot under 24% from three coming into this game. I mean, that is abysmal. And they were one for nine. I mean, they look like a team that did not know what they wanted to do. They put up 55 shots and they made 22. So when they weren't attempting threes, they were 21 of 46. That's all right. Maybe they shouldn't have put up those nine threes. Um, They were led by uh, Jameer Chaplin with 10 points and Caleb Murphy with 10 points. But Sam Hines Jr. off the bench with 12 led the way in scoring. Rebounding, uh, six rebounds for Chaplin. Um, Four rebounds each for Murphy. Russell Chiwa had four rebounds. Uh, Javon Green had four rebounds, same with Sam Hines Jr. Um, assist leaders, five assists for Javon Green. USF had 13, had 13 turnovers, three each for Chiwa and Murphy. Uh, Ch- Chaplin, by the way, was five and nine from the floor. Chiwa, four of nine. Murphy, four of nine. I didn't even go over the field goal totals. 
for Cincinnati. The David DeJulius, you know, we talk about how great he's been. 24 points, 9 of 14 from the floor, 4 of 7 from 3. Seven 20-point games this season. He's averaging 19.3 points per game over his last six games. He's had back-to-back 20-point games. This is the player that the Bearcats got sought after in the transfer portal last year. He's finally starting to deliver. You know, I, I, I'm reading in that piece, the last year he um, played with a um, a bone spur in his hand right at the knuckle, which impacted his shooting. This year he's healthy. You know, he had um, he opted out for two weeks last year at the end of the regular season, citing the mental strain um, from the pandemic. And I think he needed that because he came back in the conference tournament and played an integral role, integral role on this team. He's the leader of this team. I've said it from the beginning. He's the leader of this team. And now you're starting to see him just completely take over games. Sunday, he kept the Bearcats in the game. In this game, he took it over. 16 points and four threes in the first half. 32 minutes of play. Very productive 32 minutes of play. Uh, more on this game next. And then I'll get into what Lance McAllister tweeted that I really, it's just such an accurate tweet. Uh, that's next here on Locked On Bearcats. But first, I got to tell you about betonline.net. Make sure I know when I'm starting this live read for timestamp purposes. Uh, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs and into the big game in three days. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline is up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, a.k.a. today at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And the Lockdown NBA podcast will be covering it live from 2 to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Carolis, and Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Lockdown NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. <laughs> um, just what I mean, what I'm saying three days away from the Super Bowl, look, it's starting to get real. You get that feeling, that butterfly feeling in your stomach of three days away from our hometown team playing in the Super Bowl. Like it's starting to get real. James Erpine, Jake Lisko, they're out in L.A. Mo Eggers out in L.A. Paul Dinner Jr. and Jay Morrison, they're out in L.A. All the news crews are out there, TV news. Tanya O'Rourke and the crew, and the crew from uh, WCPO Channel 9, 9 News. Mark Slaughter, George Vogel, WWT News 5, where I used to intern when I was a student at UC. They're all out there. It's unbelievable. I, I'm down in Cincinnati, um, downtown of the Holy Grail last night for the game and I walk out and I see the great American tower, you know, the, the crown of the tower, the very top lit up in orange. I'm seeing fifth third. I'm seeing fifth third bank. I'm seeing fountain square. 
you know, they're all lit up in orange and you're seeing all the other buildings lit up in orange. I mean, Duke Energy Center, it, it is it, it is incredible how this city has completely gotten behind this Bearcats team. Or I, I'm sorry, it is Locked On Bearcats podcast. Uh, this Bengals team, it, it really is. And I hope if Cincinnati, if the Bearcats continue to make college football playoffs, It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see. It, it will be interesting because when the Bearcats became good in football and they were good at men's basketball, the Bengals were either a not very good or b they were good, but they weren't as connected to the public as they are now in Cincinnati. If the Bengals weren't very good this year, would the college football playoff? Would the city go all in for the Bearcats? I don't remember it, you know, the city being red or camping. The campus did, I know that. But the whole city. If the Bearcats continue to make the college football playoff and they go to the national championship, wouldn't it be so great to see downtown red and black and campus included? That would be. Anyway, so Cincinnati did beat the bottom feeders of the AAC last night, but they got to stop turning the ball over. This team is not good enough to beat good teams in this conference. By the way, SMU beat Houston last night. Significant. Significant, as I like to say. And John Rothstein. Cincinnati can't turn the ball over and expect to beat SMU in Houston. It almost cost them against ECU. It did cost them against Temple. This is a team that has to do every little thing right to have a chance of playing in the NCAA tournament. They're 16-7, and seven and they're 6-4 and four in the conference. They've made tremendous strides. I'm having a conversation with the people, with, with the friend, my friends I'm having dinner with last night, watching the game at the Holy Grail, and, you know, they like the direction this team is going. Oh, I mean, another one of, one of my friends who was there, um, the current sports director of UC student-run media organization, Bearcast Media, Sean McMahon, who's my successor, you know, he was saying that if you would have told me that we would be this, you know, this far along in the development under Wes Miller, he he would have thought you were crazy. And I think a lot of us, when Wes Miller took over, you know, one player who we knew was going to be a part of this team was David DeJulius. And he's such an easy guy to root for. I'm reading comments from Justin's piece in The Athletic and fan comments, and one commented, you know, every time he reads something that he gets more of an appreciation for David DeJulius and his classiness, his humbleness, and that's the kind of player you want to drive your team. Especially, you know, those that are full-on invested in the program, whether you're a fan, whether you're a donor, whether you're, you know, a spokesperson, whatever. You have David DeJulius representing your program. You're in good hands. He's very consistent. Your heart and soul, the heart and soul of your team, is always consistent. CJ Uzama's that for the Bengals. Desmond Ritter was that for Cincinnati for the Bearcats football. David DeJulius is that this year. The heart and soul of this Bearcats team four years ago was Gary Clark. Consistent every single game. 
the heart and soul of the Bearcats two years ago was Trey Scott. Brought it every single night. You could argue he was the heart and soul of the team two years ago. Got better and better as that season wore on. I would argue the heart and soul could be Justin Jennifer. But you're seeing David DeJulius being consistent. And he's able to do it this year because he's healthy. You saw potential last year. He only averaged under 10 points a game. This year he's averaging over 13 a game. On a team that struggles to score at times, he's going to be the one, the driving force. And then there's Jeremiah Davenport, who might be the most electrifying player on this team. You want to think he's the best player, maybe. I do. But the reality is he's not. The reality is Jeremiah Davenport, and Sean put it to me, put it beautifully to both me and um, Zach Fries, my former co-host at Bearcast Media, who was also with us last night. Sean said it. Davenport makes one three, and then he misses five in a row. Davenport is an electric player. But if you're an electric player, think of Lamar Jackson for a minute. If you make one three, you're going to get a lot of confidence and start shooting the heck out of the ball. It may not go in. Lamar Jackson, if he makes one athletic play, is going to keep trying to do him. It's just not there. You can't. He They ride the highs. They need to be level-headed. Good shot selection. Jeremiah Davenport's game is he shoots threes, and he drives in the fast break. I need to see Jeremiah Davenport take someone to the rim on a set offensive play. He's a really good player. He, I mean, you could argue he's the heart and soul of this team. I would say David DeJulius is. But at least, but Jeremiah Davenport could be a lot better. There's so, there's still so much raw, rawness to his game. Yes, he can shoot lights out. Yes, he's athletic. But he needs to develop a little bit. He needs to be more consistent with his shots. And if he is, this team can go a long way. By the way, Abdullah do last night. It's really good. Like, he was a stat sheet stuffer last night. Four points, eight rebounds, three blocks, two steals. That's exactly what you need to see from your, from your big man. There was a front court presence last night. With Abdul Adu. Um, Victor Lockett only played three minutes. Committed two turnovers. Odio Guama played eight minutes. Scored two points. Pulled down two rebounds. But did pick up four fouls. So, okay. We saw something productive from Abdul Adu. Yes, he was only three of six from the line. But you expect that from a big man, unfortunately. The Bearcats can get some version of that, maybe a little bit more, then maybe they will have a front court presence. I do like Abdullah Du. You know, he and Hayden Koval were brought in because they were great shot blockers. This Bearcats team has the ability to block shots. But they also need to be a little more, but they also need scoring, rebounding, 
both offensively and defensively. They can't turn the ball over either. But you have a head coach in Wes Miller, who I think is going to put in the work and he's going to listen to these players. Make sure that they are on the same page. With John Brandon, what he tried to do was he tried to forcefully implement the system. And when it wasn't working, he was frustrated. You know, you see him, he's still so he was so reserved, and it felt like he was something bigger than who he was. He never related to the players. And that ultimately caused his downfall at Cincinnati. Wes Miller is willing to listen to these players. He's a player's coach. That doesn't mean he's not hard on them. You listen to him in his post-game press conferences, and you think he's about to go run through a brick, and he's about to tear in every single player in the in the locker room after the game. I don't think he does that. But at least you're seeing that Wes Miller knows where this team needs to get better, and they're going to. And unfortunately for seniors on this team, like DeJulius, this year may not be the year they make the NCAA tournament. But there's, but there's going to be a foundation in place. There is going to be a program that I believe, if not this year, next year or the year after, they will be back and they will be in the NCAA tournament. Wes Miller is the right man for this job. Wes Miller is focusing on offense. He knows they need to get better on offense. Mick Cronin would never tell you that. Like I said, Mick Cronin walked into his post-game press conference after the Ohio State game in his final season when the Bearcats scored 56 points and shot 4 of 29 in the, in the first half and all he harped on was getting better on defense. Wes Miller at least acknowledges that it's both it's both sides of the game that contribute to wins. So he's bringing back Bearcat roots, but he's also putting an emphasis on offense. That's a coach that's going to get the Bearcats into the next era of Bearcats basketball. John Brandon was, unfortunately, just a little blip in the program's history. Bearcats got it done 70-59. to Last night in Tampa, they improved to 16-7, 6-4. In AAC play, they're back at it Saturday night at Tulsa. It's a 7 p.m. game again. It's on ESPN+. Plus. You can listen to the game locally on 700. WLW, I'm not sure who's doing the game. I, I, I know Terry Nelson is, so I'll have to find another play-by-play, man. It won't be Dan Horn. He'll be in L.A. I think Mo Egger will be, too. So I'm not sure who that will be on 700 WLW. Um up next, what Lance McAllister tweeted earlier this week um, after the Bengals' uh, Super Bowl opening night pep rally and why it perfectly correlates into my platform of why Cincinnati is now officially a football town. All that's next on Locked On Bearcats. And once again, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Alex Frank here with you on this Thursday, February the 10th of 2022. So Lance McAllister, a good friend of mine, former colleague at 700 or at iHeart, um, tweeted something interesting on Monday after the, the pep rally. 
this wasn't on Monday. This was on Tuesday. He said this. I've often said I'm a product of the Reds' big red machine, aged 9 through 10 in 1975-76. Never underestimate the power and impact of this Bengals season on kids and what it will mean for the future around this city. That is critical. So University of Cincinnati Director of Athletics John Cunningham in his introductory press conference, that was a mouthful I just said, um, said that he wanted to see more Bearcats gear in Cincinnati and less Buckeyes gear. And that every fourth grader in Cincinnati should have something University of Cincinnati. So when I was that age, which would have been 2008, 2009, Cincinnati was in the midst of that two-year run where they made back-to-back BCS Bowl games, went undefeated, captured the hearts of Clifton. That team is revered. That team is in the Hall of Fame at UC. But then they just fell off. And someone like me who wanted to watch a name-brand college football program, I root for a a name-brand college football program, a program that had a chance every year to win, it was hard to, to be a fan of the Bearcats. You know, we have attention spans and we want winners. It's hard to support a team that loses frequently. How I've done it with the Bengals since 2006, well, my family's had season tickets since 1968, so that makes it, you know, more of a purpose. It hasn't been easy. So, the Bearcats, what they did last year, making the college football playoff, think about the impact that can have on kids. And let's say they are sons and daughters of Bearcat alums. They're now going to bond more over that. Kids can ask their parents questions, what it was like to be a student at the University of Cincinnati. And they can share experiences going to games with their parents if they're Bearcat alums. They're going to remember these moments for the rest of their lives, and that can impact, hey, I want to go to school there, especially if their parents went there. You know, when we talk about childhood memories when we're in college, when we're, you know, our first job, when we're, you know, starting a relationship, whatever it is. You can talk about what the Bearcats did when you were 9 or 10 years old and making the college football playoff. That stuff never leaves you. Lance McAllister also, there was one show. He mentioned the term seminal moments. You have some seminal moments in your life when you're seven or eight, and you always remember them. Like, I'll give you an example. When I was eight, which would have been 2006, the Bengals were supposed to be really good that year. Coming off a 2005 season where they won the AFC North, they had a very, very talented offense, a defense that wasn't very good but did thrive off of forcing turnovers. That team went eight and eight. That team missed the playoffs. They lost their last three regular season games. The fashion in which they lost their last two, lost their last two. Botch snap on an extra point, and then a missed field goal, and then a giving up the game-winning touchdown to Pittsburgh in overtime in Week 17. 
that stuff never leaves you as a fan. Because then you expect them to keep losing games like that. When you experience a seminal moment like that as a sports fan at age 7 or 8, it stays with you. So for young fans of the Bearcats, to see them beat Notre Dame, to see them beat Houston in the scene in Nippert Stadium, the flashing lights and the storming of the field, and seeing them in the college football playoff, and seeing them go toe-to-toe with Alabama. That stuff is not going to leave the minds of fans. And for fourth graders, they don't have to turn their attention to Ohio State because they're better than Cincinnati. Ohio State didn't make the playoff this year. Cincinnati did. Ohio State didn't go on the road and beat Notre Dame. Cincinnati did. Now, Ohio State didn't play Notre Dame, but they also lost to Oregon at home, and they lost to Michigan. You remember this. That's why it's so that's why it's so important for young fans that are, you know, that are nine, ten years old, seven or eight years old to experience these moments. Because then they can expect something, because they then they can expect and then they know that something good is going to happen. And if and, and you being a Bengals fan right now, there was a great comment I read, I forget where it was, it might have been the athletic. And this this man said, or this Woman said, they said they don't want their kids to experience the losing that they went through. And that's what this season has done. This generation of fans could be used to a lot of success in Cincinnati. They could get used to it. And those 9 and 10-year-olds that... Eventually, they want to go to school with Cincinnati because they saw what they did this year. And for a sport like football, which is the most popular sport in America, when your hometown team is that successful, that leaves a mark on you. And it creates these expectations, and it gives you hope, and it makes you feel proud to be a fan of a team. Like when you are when when you're at school and with your friends and they ask you who do you root for and you say the Bearcats or the Bengals, you can feel proud to say that. I mean, when I said it, I was a fan because you know they were my hometown team, because my family rooted for them. But believe me, I took a lot of heat for being a fan of the Bengals and the Bearcats. Bearcats football had some down years. Bearcats basketball had some down years. Stay loyal to them. Spade off. That's why it's so important the impact of a successful team can go so many different ways. For younger fans, 9 to 10 years old, they will always remember that. And that leaves a mark on them. You know, if they want to go to school at UC... You know, when they, if, or if they move to another state and go to another school there and they can say, hey, I, I'm from Cincinnati. And then fans can ask them, hey, what was it like when they made the college football playoff? Or what was it like when the Bengals went on that Super Bowl run? Maybe they win the Super Bowl. What was it like when the Bengals won the Super Bowl? So that's a huge impact. It makes a lot of sense. Um, eight Bearcats football players were invited to the Combine. Uh, which is March 3rd through 6th on ESPN, or actually no, NFL Network. Um, those eight players are 
Darian Beavers, Kobe Bryant, Brian Cook, Jerome Ford, Sauce Gardner, Alec Pierce, Desmond Ritter, Myjay Sanders. Eight Bearcats players invited to the combine. That is impressive. I mean, they are becoming a, a, a you know, big-time program, sending multiple players to the Senior Bowl, and now sending eight players to the Combine. Like, no longer is this just, you know, a school that doesn't – that churns out an NFL player maybe once every three to four years. No. Desmond Ritter said he hopes this university can continue to be a great place that churns out great football players, great NFL draft prospects. And one school who – is very good at doing that every year, uh, is LSU. And the host of the Locked On LSU podcast, Caroline Fenton, joins me tomorrow as she will talk Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase from her days covering them with the LSU Tigers. That's going to be a fun one. Um, That's it for me today here on Locked On Bearcats. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore 90 with two N's N-N-A-T-I. You can also follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, and email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. And once again, thank you for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. Now make your second listen. Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Until I talk to you all tomorrow, until actually Caroline Fenton and I talk to you tomorrow, I'm Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats. Have a great rest of your Thursday.